mean, I could go on a tangent about robots, but... I mean, you could always go on a tangent about robots. They just have no business being that cute. This robot was on screen for, you know, like, one scene. And, <laughs> and you're like, emotionally invested. And I was like, oh, the robot. Well, because at the beginning, the robot's been sabotaged. And you're like, oh, my God. The robot. <laughs> or maybe that's just me. No, I I think that robots don't even have to learn human emotions. They can already manipulate mine. And welcome back to our podcast, How Real Is That Science?, where we attempt to confirm or refute the legitimacy of science within pop culture. I'm Nicole. And I'm Natalie. We are STEM graduate students interested in science communication. But we don't claim to be experts on the topics we are going to discuss. We have, however, done our research, and that's the important part, folks. Always do your research. So I'm so excited today. Do you know why? It is an exciting day. It's spooky season, people! Yes! I'm so excited. We've been waiting for this. Ugh. Not only is the air turning, but... I the air. The air is, is turning. <laughs> but now we can actually discuss creepy things. Woo! And today's topic is one of my favorite shows of all time. <laughs> the 90s TV show, The X-Files. Oh boy. Yes. No one knew what we were getting into. This is one of my favorite shows of all time. I love this show. Oh, I know. And disclaimer, we talk about some pretty gross and creepy parasites, so listen at your own risk. We're not really going to go into graphic detail, though, so no. don't, don't be too worried about no. it. Definitely perfect for the start of spooky season, though. Exactly. So The X-Files was a Fox TV show that ran for 11 seasons from 1993 to 2002, with the last two seasons running from 2016 to 2018. It had two additional movies and several spinoff shows and even comic books. So it was a big deal. Mm -hmm. It was nominated for 21 primetime Emmys, winning three, including one for Gillian Anderson for lead actress, and 12 Golden Globes, winning five, including Best Drama Series for three years, Best Actor in a Leading Role for David Duchovny, and Best Actress in a Leading Role for Gillian Anderson. The X-Files follows FBI agents Dana Scully and Fox Mulder as they try to solve strange cases and discover the truth. Because the truth is out there, people. It is a spooky sci-fi police procedural that pairs the rational Scully, a medical doctor with a believer, Mulder, who believes his sister was abducted by aliens. When it originally aired, it was one of the longest-running sci-fi shows on television, and it still is. It was overtaken by Stargate 1 and then Smallville. Now, it's important that this is longest-running consecutive <laughs> sci-fi show, because Doctor Who's been around for, like, 50 years. It's got it on lock. It's insanity. <laughs> but The X-Files is still one of the longest-running sci-fi shows on TV. So today, we will not be covering the entire show, because clearly <laughs> that would be way too long of an episode. You don't have time. We don't have time. It sounds fun, though. <laughs> but seriously, we'll only be discussing the ninth episode from season two called Firewalker. Not to be, like, way too weird, but this is seriously one of my favorite episodes. You always say that. I do not. 
I just really enjoy this episode, and I feel like Stefan from SNL. This episode has everything. Volcanoes, banter, silicon-based life forms, zombifying parasites. It's just insane. <laughs> right. The episode follows Scully and Mulder as they investigate the death of one of a team of seismologists that may or may not be controlled by a silicon-based life form. It's seriously fun. And guest stars Bradley Whitford, Leland Orser, and Shawnee Smith. It follows the Monster of the Week storyline, so it's not connected to the overarching government conspiracy mythology that the X-Files is known for. <laughs> Fun side note, one of the guest stars, Hiro Kanagawa, appeared on the X-Files two more times and also was on the spinoff show The Lone Gunman. So spoiler alert for the episode, obviously. Of course. I did rewatch the episode because I haven't seen it in a while. But it starts out super fun. There's a robot exploring a volcano that's apparently part of a $20 million project, which is just an, like money. Oh, man. <laughs> to look at the Cascade Mountain Range and the origin of life on Earth. Love that. Right? While there, they discover a fungus that infects people and causes them to infect other people with the spores. This would be classified as a parasitic relationship because the fungus is dependent on the host to get nutrients and live to the detriment of the host. It can even kill the host. Oh, man. This fungus is so gross because it punches out their throat to release spores killing the person. Yeah, it's kind of... It, it's a, it's like the movie Alien. It's super fun and creepy. It's definitely creepy. So Scully and Mulder go to investigate. They find these spores. Scully attempts to culture the spores and determines that it is a parasite. Plus, around the same time, Mulder thinks that the fungus is silicon-based, not carbon-based. Which is completely unheard of on Earth. So a new life form that takes over a person and causes them to try and infect other people. It's pretty crazy. Bradley Whitford's character is trying to contain the spread of the parasite by killing people so they can't sure. live. So it's not like, it's not great. Mm -hmm. um, but the parasite is also killing people. So it's not entirely his fault. But Mulder and Scully escape the volcano and the parasite. And the entire experience is then covered up by the government. So there's actually a lot of science in this episode. Oh, absolutely. The big one is silicon-based life forms. So carbon is generally considered and is the source of life as we know it. It's the backbone of all biological molecules on Earth, mostly due to the chemistry of carbon. Carbon has a pretty unique chemistry. It allows it to form chemical bonds with a lot of other atoms. And this versatility creates long carbon molecules to build DNA and proteins in our cells and is absolutely vital for keeping us alive. 97% of our body is made up of only six elements, carbon, hydrogen, nitrogen, oxygen, phosphorus, and sulfur. And carbon loves bonding <laughs> with any element, those elements in particular, but it absolutely loves it. It's not picky at all, and that's what makes carbon the basis for life on Earth. There are theories, however, about life on other planets. The field of astrobiology looks at the origin of life in the universe and how it is, or potentially could be, evolving. Astrobiologists also search for other environments in and outside of our solar system that would be capable of supporting life, which sounds super cool. Really into that. Yeah, it's just another insane field of science that I had no idea existed until, like, last week. Exactly. And there are a couple different ways that life could potentially exist besides carbon. The first one we will discuss is silicon. Silicon and carbon are pretty similar chemically, 
Silicon is also one of the most common elements in the universe. Unfortunately, there are no life forms on Earth that combine carbon and silicon. When you breathe, the carbon in your body reacts with oxygen to form carbon dioxide, which you can then release because it's a gas. However, when silicon reacts with oxygen, it forms silicon dioxide, or silica, which is a solid. Kind of hard for any of us to breathe that. Plus, while carbon reacts with so many other elements... So many elements. Silicon doesn't, which would make a lot of the reactions that form life on Earth extremely difficult. However, a really cool recent study used directed evolution, which is a method that mimics natural selection to engineer protein and life, to make a bacterium produce organosilicon molecules. That's just molecules that have both carbon and silicon in them. Not only does this mean that life could potentially do this and rely at least partly on silicon, it can also have applications in synthetic chemistry. But silicon is not the only potential way for life to exist in extraterrestrial environments. It's not. Other ways include water being replaced by ammonium, which is pretty similar to water, but do not drink it. Don't drink ammonium. It doesn't support our life. Right. I think that's like an interesting part of all of these conversations is that Mm -hmm. we can only base our theories off of how we know our life works. Right. It's which can be expanding, right? Because we can recognize the potential for something similar with things like ammonium and silicon. Mm -hmm. But we are kind of in some ways limited by our imagination. (laughs) Well, and it's limited by how we actually define life. Yes, that too. Because there could potentially be multiple ways of defining life. Mm-hmm. We just think about it our way because of our already preconceived biases of what we're doing. Yes. So that's an interesting semi-science, semi-philosophical tangent. Other building blocks could also be methane, boron, arsenic, which is just crazy, hydrogen fluoride, hydrogen sulfide, and sulfur. And The X-Files is not the only show to examine the potential for silicon-based life. Two episodes of Star Trek, one in the original series, which is really great, love that episode, <laughs> and one in Star Trek Enterprise show life forms that look very different from us that are silicon-based. So what about the life form in the X-Files? Probably not really likely on Earth. However, the fungus that they base it on is super cool and creepy. This fungus is called Ophiocordyceps unilateralis, which is found in tropical forests. It invades ants and then takes over the behavior of the ants. It forces the ant to sit on a leaf 10 inches above the ground and then slowly eats away at the ant until it dies. <laughs> it then tragic. ejects from the ant its spores, which can then infect new ants. While it does try to infect the ant and kill it, only a few ants are infected at a time to keep the population of the ants in check If they infected all of the ants, the fungus would also die off because it would have no host. Sure. And this is not the only species on Earth that involves behavior manipulation. Another fungus from this family actually infects flies. It forces the fly to fly to a certain height, assume a death pose, which then disperses the spores to infect more flies. It's so creepy. I've watched videos of this, and it's... Really weird to watch the fly try and resist. It looks it looks like it's resisting what its body is doing. It's completely insane. It is. And I just can't imagine something doing that to me. It's actually really funny that you mentioned that. Because there's a worm called I, the guinea worm that infects people. I, I don't like that. It doesn't force us to die to release the worms. But it does force people 
to want to be in water because of the intense burning sensation in their feet that's caused by the worms trying to escape our feet. Oh, no. Yeah. The good news is that the worm is almost extinct, so it's probably not going to infect you. Thank God, I guess. (laughs) So, parasitic fungus that takes over the behavior of the host to infect other people. Totally realistic, unfortunately. Yikes. Okay. I will brave it in order to help build a robot to explore the inside of volcanoes, though. I knew you would. Now, we're not really going to discuss the science behind volcanoes because we already did that. Yes, we did. Go listen to How Real Are Volcano Disaster Movies to learn more about volcanoes, the scientists that research them, and our opinions on the best volcano disaster movies to watch. Do it. It's so good. We're not biased, but we will be (laughs) discussing the robot in this episode of Firewalker. So this is actually based on a real expedition that NASA funded called Project Dante in 1993 and 1994. The project was originally created to research if and how robots could be used to explore other planets. Dante was built to explore active volcanoes in Antarctica and in Alaska. It was really designed to see if robots could explore Mars. Dante was the precursor to Curiosity, the Mars rover. Oh, so cute. I know. Curiosity was sent to Mars to see if it could possibly have supported life. In 2018, Curiosity found evidence of organic molecules in rocks on Mars, suggesting that the planet could have sustained life. And we should be very clear. Organic molecules can be created by biological processes, but also by non-biological processes. So they're not necessarily indicators of life, but they totally could be. So overall, kind of a realistic episode. I mean, while it's unlikely there could be a silicon-based life form, it's much more likely that life forms can influence behavior. And we already have evidence that robots are used to research harsh environments like space. More likely than some other X-Files episodes. Oh, definitely. There are some really out there episodes. It's pretty fun. The last thing I think we should discuss kind of encompasses the entire X-Files show. This would be the Scully effect. Yes. This refers to the increase in women in science, law enforcement, and medical careers because of the character of Dana Scully on TV for nine years. Right. And just to preface, I love Scully. And she's absolutely an influence for me going into science. Just seeing her on TV doing all those things. But as we mentioned, Dana Scully was a medical doctor slash FBI agent who was the main character of a TV show in the 90s. And she wasn't a sex kitten. She was strong, but vulnerable. She was one of the main positive influences to say like, hey, this is a viable career for me. Mm -hmm. I could totally do that because she does that. Scully also influenced many characters after her, including Temperance Brennan from Bones and Olivia Dunham from Fringe. And basically, if you saw a skeptic versus a rationalist on a TV show, it's influenced by Scully. Clearly, in my opinion, Scully helped to change how people view women in scientific fields. Right, because she does have a good characterization, but we're not all the way there yet. In 2013, a study published by Yale showed that chemists, physicists, and even biologists were more likely to be more favorable to male scientists than to female scientists. In a University of Michigan study from 1999, men and women were given a math test. In the first group, the subjects were told that men perform better than women. And the second group, they were told that men and women have no difference. Men outscored women by 20 points in the first group, while only outscoring by two points in the second group, where they were told that they would be equal. So it's not new that our perceptions change how we act and that scientists is a bit of a boys club. 
And it's not just perception. The American Institute of Physics published a study in 2012, including 130 countries. They found that in every country, female scientists received less office support, lab space, and financing than male scientists, which is just insane. It really is. And it's sad. And it doesn't only apply to physicists. It can be seen in biology labs, too, which usually has a higher rate of female scientists in the lab. So it's bigger than just unconscious bias in men. It's a bias in all of us. And it's something that we all need to be working on. We're just as smart and impressive as male scientists. Heck yeah, we are. (laughs) Well, that's it for this week's episode. Please come talk to us on social media about your thoughts on your experience in science and what you think of Scully and the X-Files. We love to hear what your thoughts are on today's episode. So come find us on our social media. Okay. We're on Twitter at HowRealSciPod. Instagram at HowReal underscore SciPod. And our website, anchor.fm backslash HowRealIsThatScience. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and most other podcasting platforms. You're probably listening to us on one of them now. Woo! Make sure you subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. We'll be back in a few weeks, diving deeper into spooky season. Yes, we're going to discuss the scientific debunking of the spiritualist movement. Find out next time with How Real Is That Science? Ophiocordyceps unilateralis. How did that sound? I like it. Okay. I'm going to say it one more time just in case. Ophiocordyceps. Nope. (laughs) Just the one time.